0: Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Yo, so today we are going to look and examine a form of reading the Bible that is very important. Because when we read the Bible, we have to understand the original context in order to understand the present context. And a lot of times what's hard is when we read the Bible, we're not sure if what we're reading is narrative, which we're just reading, this is what it is, or is it normative? Is this what should happen all the time? And one of the biggest things that is debated right now is, can I hear the voice of God? I misspoke last week. (gasps) I know. Okay. I misspoke. And sometimes, guys, I get a little too excited. And um, I will start sentences, not finish them. And uh, sometimes I will, I'm already thinking three sentences ahead sometimes. And I don't realize what I said until I said it. And, um, and so I got to bring a clarification and I got to thank our sister uh, and secretary, Monica Solano, for pointing it out. Because I needed to be a little, I should have been a little clearer. Because last week I mentioned that uh, we talked about Paul resurrecting a boy named Eutychus from the dead. Again, the irony, I love his name was lucky, unf- you know, fortunate, right? But I said that that was the only recorded miracle in the book of Acts that we have of Paul. Clarity. That was the only recorded resurrection miracle that we have. And there's very few. I mean, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about one in which Paul does heal someone. All right, And uh, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. And so thank you all right, for that. But uh, I thought it was important to say that because even in my good intention, I just said something incomplete right and uh i just you know ran with it i'm thank god no none of you made a life-altering decision on that statement because i would owe you an apology but that's about it but anyways um anyways I, i bring that up because see words matter right and especially when it comes to god's words they matter what we say about them about it and all this stuff it matters and so that's why i wanted to bring that clarification and again at the same time i thought it was interesting and notice that even me in us talking about it we're not always perfect right in our execution that's where god's grace comes in where God's grace comes in and says in what in the filter that it comes out in he just kind of helps and so that doesn't mean that we abuse it it doesn't mean that we get to say whatever we want and God you are gonna fix my problem in the back end no there's still a responsibility there but the the important thing guys is words matter because we got to be hearing God's words well and that's going to be the focus of not just today but next week all right so we're going to kind of we're going to uh, I talked to Emily remember I was talking about this and I was like man I want to take a text and hang out in that text for a couple weeks and see what happens and so we're going to do that so we're going to split uh, up we're going to, the bible verse that we're going to do today we're going to hang out with it and look next week because of the topic of the topic we're going to cover is really interesting and it's all about hearing god's voice guys that is one of the most popular uh not just uh, google searches for christians it is one of the most popular books like you title 10 steps on how to hear God's voice. That YouTube is going to be, bro, blow up, you know? I mean, things like that. Any book. And there's a thousand books about how do you hear the voice of God? How do you hear the voice of God? in particularly with making decisions, right? And so next week, we're going to talk about that. We're going to break it up to really give it uh, justice. Um, And so today, we're going to talk about what is God's voice. And then next week, we're going to talk about, okay, how do you hear it? Because you can't, you know, we got to really understand what is it before you can try to hear it. And it's a, it's a really interesting uh, topic because there's this phrase, I'm sure, if you've been a Christian longer than five minutes, you've probably heard of this statement before. Not in the Bible, but have you ever heard of the quote when it says, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. You've heard it, okay, online, you've heard that? It's, a rel- it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Well, the origin of that statement is really focusing on our, our works-based religion. Like meaning the faith that we have in Christ. He doesn't call us to do something and all about busy work and activity. And, and it's all on us to accomplish. No, it's a life-giving relationship. It's not works-based religion. It's a love-based one. Does that make sense? And so when we say relationship, we understand, okay, it's, it's a little, you know, it's not a, a, a worker-employee relationship, you know, it's, it's different. But then that statement over time has been used to be able to say, see, my relation with God is not a religion, it's a relationship. And relationships require communication. And communication is two ways. Meaning, we can talk to God and he talks to us. He hears us, and we can hear Him. And so now there's this idea, not even now, now, it's always been, the struggle with what does that relationship look like? I mean, you guys, look, we right now are in somewhat of a relationship, right? In that uh, we're in the same room, we're friends, I'm talking, you're hearing, and, uh, you know, things like that. But is that relationship with God the same? Can you wake up and have a one-on-one conversation with God for a 20, 35, I don't know, whatever minutes? Well, we'll talk about that one. We're going to talk about things like that. What does that look like? And where do we get that idea? Because it is important. And then you got people on two sides of the spectrum, right? People will say, listen, if you want to hear God, these are the two uh, things. I'm sure you've heard it. If you want to hear God's voice, read your Bible. And if you want to hear God's voice out loud, read it out loud. You ever heard of that one before? Right? And so you have some people who say the only way that you can hear God's voice is right here. That's the only way. And then you'll have some people say, well, no, yes, this is important, but then there's that inner, still, small voice, and he can talk to you and guide you every single day. I mean, a a very popular preacher says in his title book that talks about hearing God, he says, God is always talking. He's always talking to you, but it's up to you to listen. It's almost like radio signals right now. Like that's some idea, like is God like a radio signal that all we got to do is just tune in and, and there he is, he's talking right? Is that what it's looking like? And so you got both extremes there, right? Where it's not, and it is. And then the arguments for somebody say, well, no, see, if you believe that you can't hear God's voice personally, then you never will, right? That's the one. If you believe that you can't hear it, then of course you're not going to, you can't hear it, because you don't believe you're not looking for it, right? And does that make sense, guys? If you believe you can't hear God's voice, then that means you won't. But then... Just because it way if you believe that God is talking all the time, well, then that means you're you're gonna. Read into everything now. Because if you believe that he's talking all the time, then you're like, oh, well, you know, look look at the cloud shape. You know, God, what are you saying right now? And, and, you know, look look at this, look at that. I got all the green lights. Lord, what are you saying to me right now? You know, and so then there's that extreme. If you believe that God talks to you all the time, then you're going to make a lot of mistakes because you're going to read into everything. And then you're going to put his name on something that he didn't say. Isn't that a commandment? Don't take his name in vain. Thus the Lord said, careful. So what is it then? Is it this? Is it that? And that's going to be our journey for the next couple weeks, guys, because um, I know it's important, and I know for a lot of you, you really do want to hear God. You really want to know specifically when it comes to your, your life, right? And so when I want to make big decisions and this and that, what do I do? How do I do it? I don't want to mess up. I want to be in God's will. In order to be in God's will, don't I have to hear His voice so He can tell me what to do? Okay. So that's going to be the next two weeks and so but today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Acts chapter 21 and we're going to look at what God's word has to say about what God's voice is all right and so we're going to hang out here for a couple weeks but let's read the whole story together so we got about 14 verses we're going to put it on the screen Um, so just a little prequel all right last week what we were talking about last week we had the Paul was on his way. We're kind of wrapping things up. He's ending his third missionary journey, and he is going to head out to Jerusalem and then eventually to Rome. And so Paul is kind of giving his, like, farewell tour. And uh, last week, it was a very heartfelt goodbye. I mean, they're all crying on, uh, you know, as they're saying goodbye because this was a church that Paul spent three years with. He, had, he hadn't spent uh, um, he spent more time in Ephesus than anywhere else. And so, man, they, he had some— deep relationships there. And so we're going to pick up right where that left off when they all said their heartfelt goodbyes. So let's read on chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 1. So after, look at the words that Luke writes, after we tore ourselves away from them. Man, look at the emotional goodbye there, right? As we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail to Kos and the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara and finding a ship. Crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and we set sail. After we sighted uh, Cyprus passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre. Since the ship was to unload its cargo there, we sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. Through the Spirit, so here's one of those instances. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our time had come to, to an end, We left to continue our journey, while all of them, with their wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship, and they returned home. When we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached um, Plotimaeus, I just made that up, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for just one day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. Pause. So we haven't seen his name. For those of us that have been studying the book of Acts all year, we haven't seen his name for months. And so Philip was one of the original seven that the church picked right at the very beginning. This is probably, it's been maybe 14, 20 years or so since that moment in the time span. And so Philip was one of those that was chosen by the apostles to serve the the Hellenist widows who were being neglected. And so he was one of those seven. One of his best friends was Stephen. Stephen was murdered by the religious people there. And who was there in standing in agreement, holding everybody's jackets while Stephen was pummeled to death by rocks? Paul. So here's Paul and Philip probably seeing each other for the first time in 14 to 20 years. And the last time Philip saw Paul, he was there and he was, a, he was an accomplice to his best friend's murder. And look at how God can restore relationships there. Isn't that pretty cool? How the, he stayed at Philip's house. So they're cool now. Man, God's super cool. So I, got, I, I had to bring that up. That one's just for free. All right, that's fun. Okay, but hold on. Look at the other thing, though. He says, we stayed at Philip's house, the evangelist. He was the one who God used to bring the, the message to the Samaritans. Um, he was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. That's an interesting phrase there. After we, uh, after we had been there for now another several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us. He took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says in the way that the in the way the jews in jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the gentiles when we heard this notice luke is including himself in the situation when we heard this both we and the local people pleaded with him paul not to go to jerusalem there's that phrase again then paul replied look at his reply What are you doing? What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? Man, this guy. I mean, this this guy. look Look at his emotional stress that he's dealing with. What are you guys doing weeping? You're breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since we, since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except. Can we all say those five words together? The Lord's will be done. So we're going to repeat that, and we're going to look at that text again next week, all right? So so there's notice that uh, God is talking a lot, right? So apparently God had revealed to some Christians in Tyre, hey, this is going to happen to Paul. And not only that, there's a possibility we don't know what the uh, Um, prophetess daughters of uh, Philip were saying but then here's Agabus and so he is saying God told me this and God showed me this This is going to happen to you so we see God and um, what's his face Paul already knew this Paul already had known God had showed him this years before and so he was already understanding he didn't he saw this coming and so you can see why we're going like to slow down a little bit because it's like, okay, what is this now? What is this? Does God, obviously we can see he spoke there. And the question is, does he still speak? And what is that voice? And so I liked uh, A.W. Tozer's uh, quote. He talked about this. And this was quoted by someone in a book saying, you know, look, God still speaks. And so A.W. Tozer kind of gives this like wrong, um, like this is the wrong way to think about it, okay? So he's being very sarcastic. And when he says, Okay, so you're telling me, that's my inclusion to kind of help you set up. You're telling me, a silent God suddenly began to speak in a book. And when the book was finished, he lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. I like that. Interesting. That's an interesting, I'm adding the question marks for the the. The emphasis there but in the end he says listen the Bible is not only a book which was once spoken but it is a book that is now speaking that's interesting now it's it's in there on saying okay but is he saying anything else outside of that but hang out hang on because what's so amazing about God's word is that listen everything we just read all right was spoken and God's word which we're going to look at it was inspired meaning God used 40 authors during a span of about 1400 years to write and document these 66 books. The Bible is nothing but a library full of a lot of different books. That's what the Bible is. And so there were certain times and certain things that God used in order to communicate to and through people. And Luke is one of these guys. And so we everything we just read, guys, there was not just Luke's account. This was the Holy Spirit inspired to Luke, to be able to write what he wrote. Very much like an instrument here. I mean, we don't have any wind instruments, but if we had like a trumpet and flutes, you guys know how that works, right? You can push the buttons all day long, but what do you need for the sound? You need breath. And so once there is this breath there, now you're, ooh, there's all this sound. And a flute has its, you know, sound to it that's different than a saxophone, that's different than a trumpet. And so that's what we see in the Bible. When God speaks, through different instruments of people. He, you know, his, his focus sounds a little different out of, out of Luke, and it sounds a little different when it comes out of John. It sounds a little different when it comes out of Peter. It sounds a little different when it comes to those who wrote the Old Testament. They're all saying the same things. It just sounds a little like emphasis are a little different. And so it's pretty cool to be able to see that. And so but what's amazing about God's Word is that not only was it spoken, but these words that were once spoken still speak. Today. You gotta know, you gotta think about that for a minute. What this right here, this whole thing, was once spoken, but actually still speaks today. And it makes sense because isn't one of God's characteristics that He never changes. Isn't God's characteristics that God is the same yesterday? Listen to the time frame: yesterday, today, forever. And if God is the same yesterday, today, yesterday, today, and forever. Than what he said it was relevant yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's the same thing. His voice, his word, his truth, what we're hearing today, it's like he's saying it for the first time, though he said it two thousand years ago. I, I I want you to see that, because this is not only a spoken book, but this is a book. This is words that still speak today. And so when we look at what is God's voice, you have to start here. Because before you get into, well, what, how do you hear it? You've got to be able to understand the original. Because if you don't understand the original, how are you going to notice any counterfeits? Y- y'all feeling me on that? You, can't ex- you don't know what a counterfeit is until you know what the real thing is. And so here is God's voice. This is going to blow your socks off. Are you ready? Okay. God's voice is his word. I told you. I told you, right? I mean, aren't you glad you showed up just to hear that, right? It was worth waking up in the morning, putting gas in your tank and all that stuff to hear that God's voice is his word, okay? Okay. (laughs) Obviously. Am I good at sarcasm? I don't know. Um, But see, that's the thing. I want us to understand that. This is it. And so when you want to say, you can't separate the two. And and that's an unfortunate thing that I, I'm start, you know, I see. And, you know, we say, well, I've heard this in a very popular book from a very popular preacher. And I'm like, wow, like that that's, could be misleading. He says, if God wants to say something, he uses his audible big boy voice. All right. If he wants to say something. But if he really wants to say something, he uses the inner still small voice. Well, hold on. But wouldn't God want us to hear all of it? Like if so, so we're saying that the out, the obvious isn't that important because do you see what I'm saying. That almost gives an impression that the big boy voice, this stuff is good. But what's better is, and that's the other thing is that when we look at things like this, we see this as okay. Well, what I need to do is I need to learn this, and the more that I learn this, now I'm tuned in at all moments to be able to catch it. Be careful because now you're treating this as a lesser voice. You see what I'm saying? this is like a lesser voice no this is it this is god's word is his voice it is no different than that. it is no different you don't have categories of this is his voice and so when we look at his word his voice what is it now i'm going to jump around if you want the bible verses y'all can come here and screenshot this later online if you want it i'll I'll screenshot and post it later because i'm going to just go all over the place here because you got to let god's word define himself you let God's word define God's word, always. That's a good little, little trick there. So again, what does God's word say about God's word? Well, Timothy says, and Paul is telling Timothy, I'm sorry. Paul tells Timothy, that his word is inspired. In Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, Paul is telling Timothy this right here. He's saying, "Listen, Timothy. He has a situation that he has to unravel. He has a lot that he has to deal with. And so, what does he tell him to do? Timothy, let me tell you how to hear God's voice personally. That that's helped me, so that you can do. No, here's what he tells him to do. He says in verse 16. All scripture is inspired, God breathed, exhaled by God. And it is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. This is a verse we'll come back to next week. And so look, he's saying the scriptures and he's talking about the Old Testament. When Paul is talking about this, he's talking about the Old Testament Scriptures. It's all inspired by God, and it's all of it is good for teaching you and for training. But guys, if you want to be taught in order to be trained, then you have to go through a process of being rebuked and corrected. Yes or no? Right? If you, if you want to be trained to do anything, you got to be told, uh, no, not like that. It's like this. Nope, not like that. that. That's wrong. Now you got it right. Right? That's what teaching is, 101. To teach somebody anything is to say, this is not that. Okay? No. Okay, now you got it right that's what that is and so here he's saying the old testament itself and now we know that the this applies same to the new because peter and others would talk about and the, we would see that the same god that inspired certain books in the old testament had the same thing over these there's, so there's a reason why we have what we have in our bible but all of it is good all of it is good now this is the interesting part all of it is good for instruction but it doesn't mean that all is equally interesting that, that's, the, that's the hard part when it comes to the Bible. God's Word, all of it, His voice, God's Word is all equally important. It's not all equally interesting, you know? There's some books that's like, yikes, okay? That was like, man, I don't know, what, what am I doing with this? It's a, like, this is weird, and, and what do I do with that? I, I get it. I get it, I get it, I get it. All right, But it's all good, though. And see, that's the thing, guys. It, I want you to understand again. It's inspired. This is his voice. And so we got to approach things like this. So for example, if you ever read the Bible and if you ever, uh, you know, let's say you have a devotional, you read the Bible every day, you have certain things set aside and you finish your Bible reading for the day and you'll be like, well, I got nothing. Okay. Have you ever had one of those moments? Come on now. Thank you. Type it please online. You've ever had a moment when you've read the Bible for the day and you're like, That's... I'm going to roll with that for the day, bro. I was like, what am I going to do with this? So let me say, let me ask you this. If you read a Bible verse and you got nothing out of it, did God speak? Maybe, maybe now you're saying yes. Maybe in the past you were like, no, he didn't speak. I got nothing. But if you read his word, did he speak? Yes, he did. So let me just give you one quick one, guys. If you ever bump into a Bible verse and you don't know what to do with it, you know, like, bro, I don't know, I can't get any. What am I gonna do with this? Then just at least praise God that you had the privilege and honor to be able to hold a Bible in your book and and, in your hand and read it. So even if it was a boring one, even if it was an, it, it was just, I got nothing out of it. But Lord, I am so glad that I have Your Word. I am so glad. that that you have been faithful to. Do you see that right there? And so because, again, guys, just because you got nothing out of it doesn't mean God didn't say anything. A lot of times we miss what God wants to say in his word because we're only looking for what we want to hear. I I, I have a rewind button. Can I? Sometimes we miss what God wants to say because we're only looking for what we want to hear. And that's a problem. But all of it, I want you to know, guys, all of it is inspired. Not only is all of it inspired, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it's alive. Not only is it inspired, it's alive. In Hebrews 4, 12, he is saying, uh, let me find it. For the word of God is living, and it's effective, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Guys, I want you to see that. It is alive. It is like a heat-seeking missile that when you hear it, it is designed to go to the root of everything in you and to be able to find what is any lie that is keeping you from knowing God. And that's what it is. Every time Jesus spoke, it was on target. Every time. When somebody asked him a question, every time he said something, it was never wasted. It was always on target every single time it is alive and what's amazing about this is that the reason why it's alive it's it's just so cool guys listen the bible is unlike other books unlike other books it is not only a book that we read but it is also a book that reads you it's a book that reads you and it's a book that it's hard to understand but it's weird to know that this book looks like it understands me right have you ever read the Bible? you've read something i be like yo that's that's me right there or i i i I needed to hear that have you ever even on a sunday morning have you ever heard a sermon that it just that word that was said two three thousand years ago it was like it was for you at that moment like it was brand new yes or no i've had plenty of those so it's so cool and that's by the way encouraging guys because if you don't understand all of god's word you can rest assured my god understands me and that's pretty cool. But at the same time, that's why you have to approach God's word very cautiously. But it is inspired. It is alive. Let me use Jesus right now. It is empowering. This is empowering. Jesus says in Matthew 4.4. 4, this is another one that sometimes people kind of go a little too far in. Uh, The devil is tempting him. What does Jesus do? Matthew four four. He tells him in the famous phrase, "Hey, turn um, turn bread into turn rocks into bread, so you can eat." And Jesus replies back and says, "It is written." So, what is he pointing to? The spoken word of God in the past. Is Jesus, when Jesus is now doing spiritual warfare, face-to-face with the devil, does he says, thus saith the Lord right now in this moment. He literally pulls back and says, hey, I don't remember one time my daddy said, my daddy said one time, the Lord, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, some people look at that verb again and say, see we need if in order to live we need to be able to live from every word from god that means god's talking all the time in order for us to live we not only have to have one ear in the bible but one ear out there because for us to live we need every word but is jesus saying that again notice what was his anchor statement he walked back to something that was said and still speaking and by the way moses is the one who said that And so what is the context? Deuteronomy 8.3 is when Moses says this. Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, telling the people of Israel, you guys have made it 40 years in the desert. Interesting. Jesus said this statement after 40 days in the wilderness of fasting. And Moses said that word at the end of 40 years of wandering. And he says, the Lord has been faithful to you. He has carried you through. And you have, he did it in a way to teach you. That man shall not live by the things of this world, but by his truth. And when Moses said, by his word, what was he talking about? What's the context? The revealed law that they had received. So guys, look at this. This is so important. When you want to understand God, you've got to be able to see it. In, in, in Sometimes you've got to step back. Now, I'm not big into art. Anybody like art fanatics like that? Okay. All right. Some people, I, I, I honestly... Okay, I I judge people like that because I don't get it. More because I don't understand. Because I don't understand when people could just look at a painting, right? You ever seen them (laughs) Wonderful. Right? They just look at it. And then they'll do something like this. I'm like, hold on. Oh, wow. Right? (laughs) You ever seen that? And so because the thing is, is listen, for you to enjoy, for you to enjoy a painting, you can't enjoy a painting up close. Sometimes you have to step back and, and see, and now you see, and I'm like, oh, I see now. Sometimes you have to step back. Guys, that's unfortunate. Sometimes we were like, we want to hear God's voice, and we're trying to understand this, and we're doing it like this, and we're looking at just one verse, and what does this verse mean, and I don't understand it, and then, but when you zoom out, and you see it in picture, you see the bigger picture, I'm like, oh, Okay. That's what that means. And so when Moses and Jesus are saying that we need the word of God in order to live, what we're both talking about, the, the revealed word of God that was written. That's what it was saying. And so it is for us as well. And notice, look at it, what it does, guys. It empowers us. These spoken words are enough. They empower us. Jesus also said in Matthew 7, 24, 27, Matthew 7, 24, and 27, at the end of his Sermon on the Mount, what does he say? At the end, he gives this illustration on verse 20, uh, 26 and 27. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the river rose, the winds blew, pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the river rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed and its collapse was a great crash. People look at that verse and say, see, that's your life. So you need to not only hear this, but you got to hear that because your life needs to be built on, again, a rock, not a foundation. And so if you're not hearing the voice of God in discerning the voice of God out here, your life is going to, you know, be a mess. But Jesus's whole Sermon on the Mount was all about salvation. It wasn't about decision making. It was all about salvation. And what he's saying here is when you hear these words of mine, which, yes, Jesus was speaking them there, but Jesus was doing nothing else but repeating spoken truth of that God had been revealing for years and generations. And so he's saying when you receive the truth that I have declared today. And what is the truth that Jesus declared in the Sermon on the Mount? That you are all in, you know, in sinners in need of a Savior. That is really the theme of it. The theme of the Sermon on the Mount is... Um, who, how can you be saved and how to save people live? That's the, that's the Sermon on the Mount. How do you get saved and how does a saved person live? And what he's saying here is that if you believe in what I've said, that you are sinners in need of a Savior, and you put your trust and confidence, that's the implication. Then he's speaking of salvation. You are putting your soul on a rock. And when that, not the storms of life come. No, when the storm that is God comes, the judgment of God, When the judgment of God comes, your house will remain. Because it was on Christ, the foundation. Your salvation was rooted not in your works, but in Christ. But then when the judgment of God comes, and if the foundation of your soul was yourself... It's it's shifting sand. It's it's not going to end well. He's speaking of eternal damnation there versus eternal glory. Do you see that? But look at the words there. These words are powerful to save you. They're powerful to save you. They empower us to live. They empower us for eternal life. Not only that, these words are eternal. Let me show you Isaiah. Let me go flip to the Old Testament. Isaiah 40 verse 8. Isaiah, a prophet, is saying this. He says, the grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of God remains forever. The word of God remains forever. Guys, God's word is eternal. It is eternal. Again, yesterday, the same yesterday, today, forever. And so what's amazing about, again, these words is that what we've spoken, what God has said once, He's not going to be like, yeah, you know what? I kind of changed my mind, you know, uh, you know, this, this uh, you know, COVID and all this other stuff. You know, I really started rethinking things. And so I'm about to, I, you know, I'm going to shift. I'm going to send, uh, I need somebody to edit some of these verses because uh, I don't know if I believe in that anymore. Um, maybe it's not helpful for you. You haven't gotten it in 2,000 years. So maybe, let, let me, let me say it again. Let me, let me say it a little slower, maybe, so you guys can get it. No, God is not going to do that. God's word is Eternal. And that's why our, why our hope is anchored on the word of God, on the truth of God. Our, our, our hope, that's why we have hope. Because it is solid. It is solid. It is eternal. And not only is his word and the, the God's word eternal. It's inspired. It's alive. It's empowering. It's eternal. I can keep going on this list, but I had to stop it at one point. But I'm just going to end it with this. It's true. God's word is truth. This is Jesus uh, in John 17, 17, let me say this one. John 17, 17, Jesus says, uh, where is it? There you are. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So there is, again, it's like, when now here's Jesus himself saying. And what is Jesus talking about? He is praying for the disciples. He literally, prior to this, it says, Father, I have given them your words. Meaning Jesus said, I've said enough. I've said enough. I have given them your words. I have told them, shown them. Listen to that. I've done enough. I don't got to say anything else. Right? I have told them and given them your word. And now I pray for them. And Lord, he says, sanctify them in the truth. And your word is truth. And so see, there's that anchor again that we come back to when it's not just anything guys and it's not just our truth right we just we're doing a small group this uh, just started this last wednesday uh, by the way we will let people know if what small group for wednesday if there's rain the storm so we'll let you guys know if it'll be canceled or not but we're having it here every wednesday um there's a zoom link that we're doing and for those that can't make it in person and then we also have in person but the truth project is something that we do and it's something that we're doing and we this week for those of us that went right we defined not we but we looked at what does god have to say about truth. And truth is reality according to God's perspective. That's truth. Truth is the reality of this world according to the lens and eyes of God. That's truth. And what God has to say is true. What he has to say, there's truth behind it. Now maybe there's not all the other tiny truths, right? Like again, we were looking at earlier about decision making, stuff like that. But it is the source of all truth. This is what it is, guys. His voice is this. And so we, before we keep on going, it's just making sure we understand that premise. There is, no, there is no other voice. There's not a lesser and then greater than. This is his voice. Y'all tracking? Y'all good with that? Now, some of you may have a question. Okay, got it. I'm good. Believe it 100%. But what about... All right. What about prophetic words? And what about, what about this? What about words of knowledge? What about words of wisdom? What about doors and signs and fleeces and this and that and all that? All right. Next week on some of those. Okay. Next week. But because again, before we do all those things, I want to make sure we give this the right attention because again, that's the problem right there. And if that's already bothering you, that's your problem already there. That's your problem. If you're bothered. Now, if you're not, then we're all good. But if you're bothered with, no, I want to know now, then that means this is not enough for you then. You see? If that is bothering you and that is not good enough for you, I'm sorry to tell you, that means that your view of God's spoken word is not enough. You need something else, you need something more. And that has always been a prevalent temptation. Right, it's always been a prevalent temptation for us to be able to have. I mean, from day one, right? We want to be our own gods. We want to be able to do this and do that, right? And we want to do things our way. That's always been the problem, and that's why I wanted to really separate the two, so that way we can really address that for some, if that is you, and uh, that was me for a long time. Okay, I was the one super hyper focused out there. Like, uh, I don't even know if it's true or not. I mean, I've seen. I've seen this in, like, movies, so already probably not true. But And I didn't even bother Googling it. But um, I've seen it in movies and in cartoons when you got, like, Native Americans, right? They put their ear to the ground to be able to see who's coming. I don't know if that works or what happens. But that was me all the time, man. I had the ear in the Bible and then an ear out there trying to, like, you know, see if I can feel it, you know, and catch a wave or whatnot. And so I want you to know that that's a lot of unnecessary anxiety that God has placed on you. I want you to understand, now that God has placed on you, people place on you, and thinking. And so, guys, this is his voice. This is his word. So how do you hear this? So if we want to hear God's voice, let's just focus on this. How do you hear this better? Well, there's a lot of things, guys, because listen, God's word is challenging. And I've already kind of talked about that. It's hard to understand it. It seems to understand you, but you don't understand it have to, you know, all the time. It is challenging. It is not easy. You know, it's not easy to be able to consider it and think, and especially if you've had patterns of like, you know, chunking things up. And, and you've, if you have an approach of, I took this one verse and I built this whole idea on this one verse, when now I zoom out and I show you, oh wait, I've been, yikes, okay. Oh, Alright, I know it's challenging, it is, and it's meant to challenge you. Right? For the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which inspired the truth. And he's also described as the spirit of truth and the word of God. So you can't separate God's word with the Holy Spirit. All right? This is an avenue. And a, it's, it's, this is part of him as well. It's truth. Okay? The Holy Spirit, in order to change you, will challenge you. And that's part of it. He can't change you if, you, if you're not challenged, if you're not willing to say, like we sang a minute ago. All right, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And that's why surrender is important. So when you read this, guys, I I encourage you, I encourage you, I encourage you. I encourage you to read God's Word always humbly. Humbly. Meaning that, listen, even if you got something out of a text, you're not going to get it all. Like, there's not one of us is able to truly grasp everything. Which is interesting when you look back at Acts, when we looked at the text from earlier today. Paul, all Paul knew was in part. Paul didn't understand things fully. He just knew chains and afflictions are waiting for me, and some's going to go down in Jerusalem. And even Paul, he, right here, he just said, Listen, I'm ready to die in Jerusalem. He didn't even know if he was going to die there. So notice, even Paul had Paul himself, who had the direct downloads, you want to call it. Even he didn't have. And Paul even later says, Guys, we only see in part and we know in part. We prophesy in part. And prophesy. Is not just meaning, so God just told me this is going to happen in about two days. That's not it. That's a. Uh. But to prophesy is to, is to literally speak truth. It is literally to speak truth. I'm doing it right now because I'm trying to relay the truth of God to you. I am prophesying to you without telling you your future. Now, again, we'll look into that later, but that's what that is. And even me, I know it. I fail every Sunday. I failed last week, for sure. But I fail every week because I don't have enough time. And even the English language does not have the efficient words to be able to describe the truth of God completely and fully to you. If all I had was one Bible verse to preach every single day for the rest of my life, I would barely scratch the surface of what the truth contained in that one thing. And so I want you to read it humbly and read it hungrily. I made somewhere. you got to be hungry, too, because there's always more. There's always more. There's always more. Read it humbly. Be hungry, do it. Be patient. Be patient. All right? I've heard it said that sometimes the, the jewels of God's word don't float on the surface, they, they, they're pearls at the bottom of the ocean. And so you got to really, I mean, the the, the top is beautiful. The top is wonderful. But sometimes be patient. Ask, think, question, seek. Um, That's why I preach the way that I do. It's to do the same thing. I, I think I've had like 18 questions in the sermon alone to you guys. And I had like 36 while I was prepping. And so it's good to be able to do that. Ask questions. Think critically. Really look and let God help and renew your mind, which is Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And what is renews the mind? His voice renews, transforms your mind, your affections, your actions, all of it. The inside, the outside. God works from the inside out. And read it corporately. It's good to not read things alone. It's good to share. Hey, God showed me this. Oh, really? I read this the other day. It really hit me. Awesome. It's good to read it corporately because if you don't, then it's very easy for you to just kind of think very limited, right? It was like, man, I read this. I'm like, no, I read that too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that angle. I love doing Bible studies because I love hearing angles from everybody. I'm like, yo, I didn't even see that. That's so cool. I was awesome. I was thinking over here. I didn't even think of that. Beautiful. And it's good to read it corporately when you, you know, like, yeah, this is what I believe. I'm like, wait, really, bro? Hold on. Let's pause. All right? And it's good to really think about that. Is that, re- is that really what that was? Let's look at that. It's good. And so we should not only read it individually, we should read it corporately, but with the, what purpose? And here we go. Paul himself said, you, you would think. Paul in a letter says, I count everything as loss. And when he used the word loss, he literally is using the Greek word for dung. Okay, excrement, fecal matter. Okay, you get it. It's crap, right? You understand what I'm talking about. Okay, it, it's crap. It's a, it's a deuce, all right? Uh, it's, that's what it is. And so he says, I, ca- I consider everything as a number two, okay? I consider everything as a bathroom number two to this one thing. What would that one thing be? If you would think I count everything as nothing compared to this one thing. And if all he had was this one thing, it would be enough. What would he say? Oh, I, can't, I count everything as lost, except for the power of God that is able to do things through me in miraculous ways and signs and wonders. Because that's what, is that what he says? He says, I count everything as loss except this one thing to be able to hear the voice of God every single day showing me, teaching me, guiding me. No. He says, I count all things as loss to this one thing to know Jesus Christ and he says you know he says the you know talks about the resurrection talks about his suffering and the resurrection but to know Christ and when Paul says to know him what is he telling the Philippians how do we know him in his word and what he did on the cross that's how we know Christ we look at what he did and we look at what he said because that is the anchor. If oh, He says, literally everything else, I, I count everything as nothing compared to knowing him. So he saw that this is the most important thing. The more we know him, there is something that happens to us. A transformation that happens to us that then affects everything else. But it's here. And so what, what I want to challenge you guys, and this is why I want to separate the two things. When we read God's Word, how do you read it? With what goal in mind? Because, again, I've heard it said, you got to read the Bible and know the Bible because the better you understand the voice of God here, you'll be able to hear the voice of God there. You know who said that? Me. So I have to take that back. I used to say that. I used to say that. Because, not that I meant that, you'd be able to, you know, Very Hulk Hogan of me, right? Some of y'all get it. And so, right? No, that's not what I meant. I used to say that, but meaning that the more you know God's word, the more you'll be able to, you know, make better decisions. That's what I meant. But now I have to stop saying that because I don't want to give the implication that the more you read this, the more you'll hear him here. Because there are people who say that. And then that means your Bible study is a means to an end. Do you see what I mean? That means that your Bible study is, okay, I'm doing something here so I can level up. And then now I'm here. And now I'm in this realm. I've upgraded. I've graduated from here. And now I'm here. Because, yeah, God's word is important for my life. But I need his prophetic word to know what to do with my life. This is So you treat this, the Bible as a means to an end. Do you see how selfish that sounds? Right, You are using the Word of God so that you can hear the voice of God so that you can do and know. Even it's good intentions so that I can know how to live for the Lord. It's good intentions, but that's you're using this. That You're using this. And so that's not the right approach to it. Because Jesus himself says, guys, when he says, abide in my truth, Abide in the truth of God. He says, abide in me. And then he says, abide in my love. And then he says, abide in the truth. That means this is all the same thing. He's not saying abide in these three things. It's all the same thing. So that you can do what? What's the point of abiding in the truth? He says that you may bear fruit. And Jesus himself said, and this is how my Father is glorified. This is a good one for all of us. I'm going to just, I know that's in there. I don't know where it is, so go hunting for that verse. But it's in there, all right. Jesus says, "And this is how my Father is glorified. This one thing. So we all should be leaning in on those. Like, what is that one thing? How God is glorified in in, in the way that I um you know save souls, in the way I do this and the do how is is God glorified in the way that I can hear is what how is God glorified? That you love your neighbor. God is glorified. If you want to bring glory to God, you want to honor God, Jesus says, this is, this is it. I'm easy. I'm easy. You know, uh, some people I know are know very difficult. Uh, you know, you want to take me out to food? Uh, it, it's, it's impossible because I, I can't make up my mind. You know, I, sometimes I want to try something new. Sometimes this, sometimes that. Then I'm eating this, regretting I didn't order that. I'm a complicated person. All right? I am. Um, Alicia always and says that she's a cheap date because she's easy. But no, she's amazing. All right? But I, she just knows what she likes. She knows what she likes and she's that, So it's easy to please. All right? Because I, I, she knows and she's made it very clear. She ain't going to play games. I'm like, figure it out. No. She just tells me, look, this is it. Okay? There. All right? Now it's on you. And I can't be stupid. She just told me. And so, listen, God literally just says, guys, listen, this is it. I am glorified. You just love your neighbor. When, and so it is not about, when we get to know the truth of God, it is not about so we can do all this other stuff. It's not about information accumulation. And it is not about spiritual execution. The word of God is meant for personal transformation. To sanctify us. Sanctity, which is to talk about to be made holy. Meaning to be more like Christ. To submit ourselves and to love others. We love others with indeed. But we also love others with word and and there is no better loving way to love someone than to relay the message of jesus you can't relay the message of jesus with a a meal you can you can reflect it right you if you do a good deed you can kind of reflect the love of god in your good deeds but unless you say jesus died on the cross for your sins what else can communicate that other than the word What else can communicate that? There is not a good deed out there, not a charitable social justice cause that can communicate that action. There's none other than our words. And so to give one last to kind of as we're rounding third base, I just want to be able to say and caution you. When we talk about hearing God's voice, and God's voice is his word, I want to caution you towards coveting. You know what coveting is? It's a commandment. It's a top ten. So this, if this is on top, if God's top 10 list, then we should consider it at least because it matters. Coveting is wanting something that does not belong to you. And you're mad that somebody else has it and you don't. That sounds like every child in every generation who has ever lived. Yes or no. Okay? Right? Does I want that and I'm not happy? And, and now if, if you're beyond the age of four and still talk like that, then... Jesus, help him. All right? But it's like, that's coveting. I want that. It's not fair that he has that. I deserve it. And you're not happy if somebody else has something that you don't. That's coveting. It says, you know, covet your neighbor's this, your neighbor's that, your neighbor's this. Guys, let me warn you. Be careful to covet your brother and sister's experience of God. Listen Sometimes you hear me, somebody say, oh, well, I heard God's voice talk to me. Like, oh, me too. I want that. You know, like, oh, I don't have that. You know, and then now you're just like mad. You're not even happy that they had one, right? Oh, How come they get words of knowledge and I don't? That's what you sound like. Okay. That's what you sound like. That's what you, that's what you look like. Okay. That's what you look like when you're doing that. And listen, just because there were people in the Bible that got direct downloads, because people read the book of Acts, and they say, see, uh, Agabus got a word, and, 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 and these people got a word, and Paul got a word, and, and so I want one too. Isaiah wanted, I want to be able to talk to God the way Moses did. I want to talk, I want to know God and hear God the way Paul did, the way Jesus did, I mean the, the way Peter did, the way John did. That's what I want. And so it is very easy for us to covet something that was not meant for you. Just because God gave the privilege of some to experience that, and not you, it's okay. Do you hear me on that? It's okay. Because even when we look at the whole document, this whole thing that we have here, God, people receiving direct words was very rare. This wasn't all the time. I mean, we've even read in the book of Acts that... Peter and all these guys made decisions and never was it all right let's let's pause God what do you have to say all right, go, all right we got it we're good good go okay no it was providential moments when God would do this a providential moment when God would say that orchestrate this and do that and do that and so the providence is important but I just want to caution you to don't covet someone's experience don't covet it I'm like I want that too because what's interesting is that when we look at the book of Acts, very few Christians here. And Luke is the one. Luke wrote this. Do we see anywhere Luke say, guys, I learned from Paul how to do what he did. Let me tell you. And nowhere does even Luke, Luke didn't even get that word. So Luke, he's documenting this. He didn't get a word. God didn't speak to him. He am like, that's not fair. You know, he could have wrote it, you know, he could have wrote it in, right? No. So what do we do with that? So that's the thing I want to encourage you guys to co- be careful to covet. And, and then let's, let us end where the verse ended. Do you guys remember what were the five, five words that we all said together? They all were like, oh, we try to persuade him. We try to persuade him. But in the end, what are we all just saying? The Lord's will be done. Do you know what that means? It just means, God, we don't see the big picture. We want our will. Our will is, Paul, don't go. And Paul's will is, but I want to go. I know God has told me. He's warned me. I'm, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to go. But we don't want you to go. But I'm supposed to What does God want? I don't know. Because remember, these people were saying, thus says the Lord, this is going to happen to you. So don't go, which is why next week we're going to talk about it, guys. Everybody in here heard a word from God and all got it wrong. They all interpreted it wrong. So we're going to talk about that next week. They all heard a word from the Lord clearly. Something bad is going to happen to Paul in Jerusalem. And they all discerned wrong. They all heard right and discerned wrong yikes and so look at this so the thing is guys just because it's in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean it always is because again I don't want anyone to feel less than because all I have is a Bible and I don't have an experience guys again what is his voice the voice of God communicates the truth of God and what is the truth of God his word his word and his word is not easy. L- look, these guys all received the word from God and they struggled to understand it. They didn't understand it. Guys, you can receive a word from God and still struggle and it's okay. You can all, they did, it was very vague. Even Paul was like, I, I, I don't even know what's going to happen. I might die in Jerusalem. I might not. I don't know what's going to go down. Even Paul did not have, the word was very vague. And guys, there's here things that kind of seem vague, but in the end, If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. And this is why we say, Lord, your will be done. Our trust is not in our understanding. We are leaning on you. And doesn't that sound like a Bible verse? It's in Proverbs, right? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. It doesn't mean that he's going to tell you everything to do. It just means, listen, it's going to be okay if you trust in the Lord and so our big thing guys is, well is it is it not is it this is it that but if you can just rest in the sense of the Lord let your will be done in my life I trust you that is an important place and be careful not to say the extra stuff R.C. Sproul says that the, the, the I think that the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests his power in the Bible everyone is looking in power in a program in a technique in an extra thing that we've been talking about in anything and everything except where God has placed it and where has God placed his power his word this is not a lesser one and so his word is meant to do something and do you guys remember we just read in the book of acts that they all hung out on a beach and prayed before they said goodbye that beach is actually known for making uh glass So you guys ever seen the sand that can be turned into glass? You ever seen that? You guys ever seen even um, when people, uh, glass blowers? It's pretty cool. I think we've all seen videos or, or pictures like that. Well, how do you, how do you shape and mold glass? What do you have to do? You have to heat it, right? High temperature. And then you stick the substance at the end of a pole. And what does that person have to do? And the breath expands it. And then the heat, you know, softens it, and the hands of the artist, the master, shapes it. That's us, guys. You and I are the you and I are the dust of the world, the dust of the earth. The Bible says that we are created, dust. God made man out of dust, out of sand. And so God takes the sand, heats it with the heat of His love baptized that's that fire the, the heat of his love he will warm us with his love and then his word is the truth of god his word this is fire and so when we are warmth when our heart is warmed to the truth of god the truth of god also speaks blows into us that is inspired it is exhaled it, we receive it when we do it expands us it shapes us and then god's hand molds us into something wonderful for his glory Guys, that's what it means. That's what it looks like to read the Bible. It looks like to read the Bible with that. With the fi- knowing that you're reading it in the fire of his love. And you say, Lord. Because something can exhale, but you got to be able to in. Right? And you got to be able to take it in that way. That is what it looks like to read the Bible. That is what is the point of it is to take this, that inspired word into us, that it molds us and shapes us to an instrument that could be for the glory of God to love our neighbor so that they can receive the same thing as well. And so I end with the same thing that Paul did in Acts, our benediction, which the benediction says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. The word of of his grace which the word is able to build you up give you an inheritance for all those who are sanctified and Jesus says sanctify them in the in your word and your word is truth do you see how that is that is it sanctifies us it molds us it shapes us right in the same way like saying well if you believe you if you believe you don't hear it you don't hear it if you believe that you do you're always gonna well if you don't believe that this is his voice then you're gonna miss it This is where we start. And I want to encourage you, don't be, let me don't be. Could you imagine, could you imagine if the church was less obsessed with hearing the voice of God out here? And imagine if we were more obsessed with using our voice to be able to speak what God has once spoken. Could there be a difference? if we were less obsessed about hearing this voice somewhere out there and more concerned with using our voice to relay the message that God spoke with his. I believe there is a difference. I believe there can be a difference. This is not a lesser voice. People have bled and died to preserve these pages so that you can have them. Not so that you can level up into something else. People have bled and died to preserve these pages. And these pages, they bled and died to preserve these pages because these pages were written because someone bled and died. And it was Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to affirm that this, what I had spoken in the past, it is true. It still matters. It is the power of God for salvation. Guys, God's word not only can save us, God's word is meant to show us how our saved people Supposed to live, and how to save people live? With their head and hearts in this book. That's how saved people are called to live. And if you still want God to talk to you, then fine. Are you tired? Well, come to me, all who are you know burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, you know, if you want, uh, uh, if you just don't know what's going on, and you just want this, and now you want, well, God, just tell me that you love me, okay? For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. That whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. The cross is still screaming, I love you. The cross still speaks today. God's word is a spoken word that still speaks today. God has spoken already today because I have used my voice to relay his. So now the question is, how will you respond to what you've heard? If you are disappointed, thinking that I'm going to learn about how to hear God's voice. And if you are disappointed in the idea that God's word is his voice. It's not a lesser voice, it is his voice. And if that is the only voice that you heard, and if that is the only voice that you focused on, all right, you would be sad. Then my prayer is that the Holy Spirit may reveal to you that that spoken word still speaks. That spoken word still speaks today. It is important, and I pray that you may see, and that you may see the value, not just the value, the privilege, the honor that you have his voice, that you have his word. I mean, there's generation after generation, there's people even here today that don't have it. And so I wanna challenge you. Listen, listen to the voice of God that's in scripture and then use your voice to relay that message use your voice to relay the message that god has spoken when you relay that it will speak to their hearts because that is what the word of god does it is able to build us up transform us save us and then empower us to live as saved people that is the word of god that is the voice of God. And I pray that you may prioritize that. And like Paul say, I count everything as loss except to know Christ. And we can know him in and through his word. And not only know him, but make him known. That is the will of God. And when you understand that, now you'll be able to learn how to make wise decisions for your life, which is our topic for next week.